Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who have experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the special edition episode of Made It Happen podcast in partnership with Epicenter's Venture Women program. You'll be hearing from current participants from the program about their experience, their business, and their journey to entrepreneurship. The Venture Women program is aimed to provide tailored training and support for women changemakers looking to reimagine the future. Epicenter strives to build a more inclusive, innovative ecosystem for women by providing female founders and co-founders the opportunity to explore their ideas, increase their entrepreneurial skills, expand their network, and build a business that is future-proof. You can learn more about this program at epiccenterewindsor.ca slash epicventurewomen. Enjoy! Okay, so today I'm here with Sequita and Violet. Thank you both so much for joining me here on the podcast. And how about we start off with having each of you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your business. So my name is Violet and I have a background in marketing and video production. And although I've been helping a bunch of businesses in the past with their marketing, I want to put it towards my business, which is Canvas of Diamonds. We are an online shop that sells diamond painting kits for people that want a fun new arts and crafts hobby to take on, especially during these times when a lot of things are locked down, at least in Canada. So it's, yeah, that's what I, that's my business and I'm excited. I just launched, so there's a lot to do and I'm excited to start marketing it. Yeah. So my name's Sequita and I run a digital contemporary art magazine focused on showcasing artworks from emerging artists as well as interviewing established creators. Um, I basically started the magazine during the pandemic. So it's a pandemic business (laughs) Um, and it's going well so far. A couple thousand reads on issue now and just accelerating from there. Awesome. Well, and they're both definitely very creative businesses, which I absolutely love. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what made you decide to start these businesses? Violet, you know, you said you were in marketing and you wanted to put that towards your own business, but what really made you decide to take that leap? Yeah. So I've always, my whole family is very business oriented. So I always knew that I wanted to own my own business. But I just feel like I never had the time. I was either in school and working at the same time or working full time. And um, the pandemic, like Zakuita said, really helped me get time to actually put towards my business. I found it about diamond painting through uh, my boyfriend's mom. And she is, she's one of those people that she works 24 seven. She also owns her own business and all she does is work. So when I saw her doing something apart from working, I, I was so curious to know what it was. So she told me about diamond painting. She showed me the Facebook communities and it's a huge community. And I tried it out. It was so common. And I got some of my friends to also try it out. And they were talking about how common it is. And I was thinking, how come people my age or just 
younger or just the mass population doesn't really know about it. So I decided that I was going to start diamond painting and also started as a hobby and a business. Amazing. Well, I love that. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's something that I hadn't heard of before. And now that, you know, I've seen it, I'm like, that just seems so relaxing and just a nice, you know, like you said, activity to do. Um, And then as Aquita, how about yourself? What made you decide to sort of take that leap and turn, turn that into a magazine? Well, it was actually kind of an accident. I don't think I was really searching to start a business. I just had some free time during the pandemic. So um, I was like, let's just put an art magazine together. I'm very creative myself and I've always loved the arts, but my parents didn't let me go to school for it. So that was kind of my way of staying in the, in the art field. Um, so yeah, I put issue one together and it did $700. I'm like, okay, cool. I could kind of pay my rent with that. And I was just like, maybe I'll do a second issue then. It wasn't like a legitimate business. It was more so me just putting something together for fun. Then I did issue two and then it did just under $2,000. And I was like, okay, so I could pay my rent for two months now. (laughs) So after issue two, I was like, I think this needs to be a legitimate business because there is a demand clearly and a need for it. So I ended up turning it into a business and now I'm going on issue four now. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, I think there's definitely a lot that goes on behind the scenes of starting up the business itself. Um, Do you both want to tell me a little bit about that process? You know, what was your first step? And, you know, even just the logistics behind sort of starting, you know, the like a product based business, as well as, you know, a magazine and the distribution of it. Um, Do you want to start with a little bit about that? Sure. So, for me, I had to first find a supplier for diamond painting. There's a bunch of suppliers, but diamond painting is one of those things that just looking at it for the first time, it seems that all the suppliers will have similar things because it's pretty simple. It's a canvas. You have some diamond drills to put on the canvas. So it's pretty simple, but there's little details here and there that make certain um, suppliers better um, quality than others. So my first thing was I found a bunch of suppliers, asked them a bunch of questions about different things, and then ordered from different people. And I decided which one I liked the best. And then the next thing was I just I had to decide which platform I wanted to host my website on. And initially I picked Wix, which was not the best for um, <laughs> e-commerce. So after months of making that website and putting it up and doing pretty decent, I decided to switch over to Shopify recently, and that was now my official launch, which was recently, and it's been great. So once I got the website up, I decided to um, join the Ventures Women's Program to get just to have a more, I guess, sense of community with other people that were also starting their own businesses. And so I did that, and that really helped me move forward my business because before starting the business, I am a YouTuber and that's my primary way of making money right now. And so once I started the business, I was still trying to get it going, but because I already knew I was making money from YouTube, I was spending so much more time on YouTube and kind of neglecting the business. So I felt like apart from having a sense of community, joining the Ventures Wins program will also help me to move forward with that business and not delay it so much. So that was my process so far. And then now I am making my uh, marketing guide and my style guide and getting everything set up for traditional marketing and social media marketing. 
Amazing. Yeah. And I, I, I probably should have mentioned that, yeah, how we all know each other actually is through the Venture Woman program through Epicenter, um, which really just helps female entrepreneurs sort of build up their businesses, give resources, network with other entrepreneurs, like Violet said. Um, so yeah, Zakuita, would you like to share a bit about starting yours up and then also, you know, why you decided to join Venture Women as well? Yeah. So I think issue one was pretty easy, breezy and I was publishing the magazine through Blurb, which is like a print on demand. So I didn't actually have inventory that I had to look after. And I only had a few artists in issue one. I think it was only like eight or 10 artists. So it was so easy, breezy. There was no actual interviews in the magazine. It was just kind of like an adult picture book. So yeah, issue one was easy, like the easiest job you could have ever had, essentially. So it's like, yeah, I'll just do that again. And then issue two, so many people started applying that it just became real I'm like okay I have no formal training in publication at all (laughs) and I'm running a magazine um yeah so it was just it was a lot of um trial and error for sure more so error than anything I spent a lot of money on printing magazines that the quality wasn't great and unlike Violet I didn't really like test the quality before ordering. I was just so much in a rush that I had to just order in bulk right away. And it ended up costing me thousands of dollars. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's a lot of errors, but I think now I'm at a place where it's like, okay, I know what I have to do before ordering new products. Uh, I know what I have to do to get the magazine ready so that it's in time. So I don't have to make these rash decisions. Yeah. So it's been good since then. And why I joined the Epicenter program, I guess it was more so for the acceleration of the business. There's a lot of things that I didn't know, like accounting and bookkeeping and even like some marketing. Um, I feel like I'm really good at Instagram, but besides Instagram, I couldn't tell you anything about any other marketing avenues. So yeah, just learning more more about building a business was why I, I joined the program. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and that definitely makes sense. I think any sort of new business or entrepreneur, it's definitely a learning stage all throughout. Um, I know there's the same for, for myself and through the program, it's just nice having that those resources and information you can really go to and answer all those questions about, you know, finances or marketing or any of those aspects of a business. And so I know, and we're all in still in this like early stages of starting up the businesses. Has there been something about yourselves that, you know, you've really learned through this process? Um, And, you know, especially as a business owner, you're wearing so many different hats and it's, it all comes down to you. So has there been something you've really learned about yourself through this? Something I've learned about myself is I need to definitely work on regulating my emotions better. That's a really weird thing to say, but I feel like starting a business is similar to, I know people won't get this reference, but similar to what Zakuda was saying yesterday about how when you're working at a normal job, you usually get instructions. Even if you don't get particular instructions, you have a leader or someone that's telling you around what to do and having to be your own market marketing person your own finance person doing your own research on all the laws and just every single different area can be very overwhelming and it can get your the best of your emotions sometimes so definitely 
I learned that I need to, and I am regulating my emotions better and also separating myself from the business. Although it is my business, it's not me. (laughs) So I have to learn to, or I am learning to separate myself and draw a line and not take anything personally and just see it as the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can, I can definitely relate to that because it definitely seems like it almost takes up your life and you definitely are very attached to the business. So trying to find that balance and fine line is, is definitely a learning curve, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, and Zaquita, how about yourself? Yeah, <laughs> a lot for sure. But I think the number one thing, and it was probably something I realized a few years ago, but I just didn't have any like proof. It was more so that I just hate working for other people. Like, I, <laughs> like I, it's just not for me. And I applaud anyone that can do it and anyone that can take instruction and just roll with it. Like, that is great. And I wish I had that ability, but I, I just don't. Like, I'm one of those people where you tell me to do something, I will do the opposite just because I don't want you telling me what to do, <laughs> you know? So I think starting my own business has been like really empowering and just me realizing like, oh, there's not something wrong with me. It was just more so I'm not built to be someone else's worker. I I was built to be an entrepreneur and just learning that has been very empowering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think there, yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs can definitely relate to that. I know I've I've heard from many that, you know, the reason they start their business is because they realized they just could not work for other people, which like you said, it's not a bad thing. It's great. You're building your own business. You're working for yourself. Um, but like you mentioned too before, it definitely comes with its challenges. I think that especially in the early startup stages, you're just continuously learning. And has there been sort of any big challenges or obstacles that you both have really had to overcome, you know, throughout this process so far? Uh, yes. (laughs) So prior to launching my business, I did so much work on the website. That was my primary focus, making sure that my customers will be able to buy whatever they want as really quickly without any confusion. Cause I always go on websites and a lot of times it's jam packed with things and I just want to get off. So I wanted to make sure my website was clean. It was easy to navigate. It was user-friendly and also make sure that the quality of my canvases and like just the diamond paintings are good, making sure the shipments is good. Just everything that has to do with the customer's experience is great. The one thing, the one important thing that I did not think about was licensing for art. So I have a supplier and they have tons of art you can choose. They have a huge catalog, hundreds of thousands of different things you can choose from. So I chose what I wanted from my diamond paintings and One of my business plans was in the future to partner up with artists and have my own exclusive diamond paintings. And that was just the start and end of my thoughts. I I assumed that them having those um, artworks on there would mean that they have the licensing for it. Not knowing that that was not the case. (laughs) So once I launched, I got messages. I got DMs on Instagram, on Facebook, emails, people leaving reviews on my actual website. I got people reposting on Instagram story, Facebook story, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, just everywhere about how I have stolen artwork. And that was a huge, or unlicensed artwork. And it was, first of all, I was 
super shocked. I was, I was so confused what they were talking about. And once I figured out what was going on and talked to my suppliers, I took down all the artwork immediately, but the fire had already begun to spread. So a lot of people were just going at it. And even if they saw that the problem was fixed, they just weren't having it. You know how internet culture can be like, once they find a bone, they have to run with it sometimes. Not everyone. A lot of people that, most people, to be fair, most people that saw that I fixed the problem, let it go. And they said, kudos to you fixing the problem quickly. Those probably around like two or three people that just happened to have a large following that were really pushing it. And it was a huge learning experience for me because it definitely taught me about like, uh, what's that word? Like PR almost, (laughs) one-on-one, how to present yourself, how to apologize for your mistakes, how to write a statement that was owning up to your mistake and also apologizing to people you might hurt. And just that is something that I feel like a lot of businesses might not learn to later down the road when something actually comes up, but I learned right away. (laughs) And it was definitely a hurdle I had to overcome because apart from obviously the public scrutiny, it was also just, it almost gave me anxiety about everything I had my website. I, I had to do like Google image searches for each item to just make sure that they don't belong to certain artists, make sure if there's like, if there's stock footage or whatever it was. And it scared me for a while. I fact after that, I didn't post for a while just because I was so shaken. And I was scared that once I re- started posting again, people are going to come back and be like, Oh, isn't this the company that had the unlicensed artwork? And just, it was a lot of, and I'm still kind of getting over it now, but I'm getting past it. And I have luckily a lot of, people around me that do have businesses and that have been successful in their business. And I remember my boyfriend's mom telling me, she said, yes, it's bad. It's obviously bad, but you are doing the things to turn it around and cliche, but press is press. It might not be the best press, but you can make it into good press by making sure you take care of it properly. And then the things that they were using against you, try to even make it something that you that you can use to empower artists. So for example, one of the hashtags was um, pay the artist, I think it was. And she was like, you can even turn that around. You can have an artist spotlight and use that hashtag and just turn it around in some way. And that helped me feel better just hearing people that have actually been successful in their business, telling me what to do and telling me that it's going to be okay. So that was a huge hurdle, but I got past it and it's taught me a huge lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely quite the experience. And I think, you know, every entrepreneur definitely learns along the way and you definitely did everything that you could in that moment. You know, it, it, obviously it was a genuine, you know, mistake that, you know, a lot of people when you're starting up, it's not things that you really realize. And so I think that that's really the only thing you can do is you admit your mistake and sort of move past it. And like you said, you're trying, you're still trying to, you know, empower those artists and that it wasn't, you know, trying to do that in any way. And so I, I think that, you know, it's great that you, you still have that outlook on it. Um, and that, you know, you're really moving forward from it because I think that's all you can really do, um, moving forward with the business, but, yeah, it's definitely definitely an experience and a learn, learning curve of, of business. Um, yeah. And Zaquita, how about yourself? Well, I think, oh, I mean, there's been a lot, but I think um, just the barrier to entry in both of the fields that I'm in, one being publication and the second one being art, 
has been very challenging. The first couple issues, I kind of reached out to, I guess, more well-known magazines to see if I could get some tips from them or shadow them or really anything that they could give me, I was willing to take. And just no one would help me out. No one would help me. No one would, you know, answer the emails sometimes. So it was, it was really tough. So it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, if you're not going to help me with the information, I will just have to take the information from you. (laughs) So I just went out and bought all my competitors' magazines, like hundreds of hundreds of dollars worth of magazines. And I would just study them, like study the magazines front to back, like what makes them so successful, the layer of the magazine, the style, the graphic design, the artists that were in the magazine, um, just kind of study them and try and figure it out. And I think that's what has helped me build the magazine to where it is now. But yeah, just barrier to entry has been the most challenging, even now with the status that I have, not that it's at the highest, but I have built some reputation. It's still hard to like get into stores or get PR. So just barrier to entry has been a really, really big challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, it's definitely in those two fields. It can be challenging on both ends. And, uh, you know, something too, that we've, we've talked about sort of in venture women and that you've mentioned is sort of having to pivot your business as well. Um, and you're going to sort of a more digital product. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about this and, you know, what made you decide to make that change? Yeah. So the magazine actually did start out digital in the first place, just because I didn't have the means to print magazines from my apartment. (laughs) So it actually did start out digital, but after the first issue released, all of the artists wanted copies of the issue. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that? Where do I get that? How do I figure that out? So I figured it out. And from then on, I, I did print issues because the artists were just requesting them or their family members were requesting them because they wanted to keep them as kind of like a souvenir. So I just kind of assumed that that was the way to go. But after issue three, looking at my accounting and how much spend um, I was doing for the print issues, it was just not, it was, it was not worth it. And a couple of my competitors have actually had to, I don't want to say fire, but lay off a few people just because of COVID and the amount of money that it costs to print magazines. And they're not doing successful because their print magazines aren't selling in stores because stores aren't open because COVID. Um, So this was just kind of me saying, okay, I, I can see the trend and what's going on. Let me just get ahead of that trend. So I don't have to go through the path of like, okay, losing money or, you know, I don't have any employees right now, so I can't fire anyone. But, you know, I just don't want to go down that same path where I have to get rid of something or somebody to fix this issue that should have never been an issue in the first place. So that was just me trying to get ahead of the curve, really. Uh, and that definitely makes sense. And I think there, there is, a, you know, a lot of benefits to going to digital as well. So it's great that, you know, you were able to make that decision and, you know, look at it financially and say which one was sort of the route you wanted to go with. And again, I think that's just the learning stages of, of the business. And is there something, you know, something from each of your businesses that maybe people might not realize sort of in just your regular day of running a business that, you know, it's behind the scenes. 
Well, one thing that I ran into problems with starting out that people might just not think about unless they're in it is dealing with a supplier <laughs> because suppliers can be very frustrating, especially since they are, because I do a drop shipping. So they're the ones that are packaging it and sending it to the customer. So I have certain branding regulations and things I want them to follow and they don't always follow that. And that can be very frustrating to deal with, especially because then the customer is getting something that is different than what I wanted them to get. A lot of the times they're still getting the same product, obviously, but something might be slightly off. So it's just the growing pains of starting a new business, right? Just getting all those kinks worked out with the supplier and them getting used to customers ordering from you and then knowing what they need to do for your specific business. So that is a huge thing for me right now. That's something I'm currently working out right now. And I'm happy that it's getting worked out right now before it gets overwhelming with, um, with orders. So that's something that I didn't think was going to come into play as much just because initially before I even sold anything, I, I sent documents on everything that I wanted to be done for the packages. So just working that out is something behind the scenes. Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's more so like artist selection. Like I get hundreds of art per month. And I feel like sometimes I get some backlash for not accepting certain pieces for the magazine. And it, it's tough. Like, it's, it really is tough because I think they, like the artists take it as, oh, my art isn't good. When in reality, the art was probably really good. It's just the quality of picture that you sent in was horrible. And I, I can't put it in the magazine. The artwork itself was great. Um, just a lot of like, back end stuff that needs to happen to print a high quality magazine um, when it comes to submissions and receiving them. Or sometimes I select art and the artist doesn't get back to me in time with their interview and the magazine has to be out by a certain date. So then they're not in the magazine and they might get offended by that. But it's once again, it's not, I was trying to offend you. It's I, there's people waiting for these magazines. I can't wait on artists to send back their their interview questions you know a week late it just it just doesn't work like that unfortunately so just running stuff in the back end like the logistics of interviews and quality of of pictures and quality of work uh it's tough it's a lot of hard work and a lot of people take it personally when it's it's usually not so Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think when it, when it is that sort of selective process that can be challenging and especially because you'll, you'll have your own niche and, you know, pieces that you're looking for in general. And I'd love to hear a little bit about too, you've both touched on the aspect, but just a bit about the marketing of your business. And, um, you know, Violet, you've talked about how that was your background in marketing. And so you wanted to sort of implement there. Do you want to talk a little bit about sort of that growing your audience or even, you know, you mentioned your YouTube channel, sort of growing that any sort of marketing aspects around those sure so marketing is actually the one area that I am just overwhelmed with because I have so many ideas and I have a whole marketing template everything I want to do but it's just a lot so um the main things on social media I'm focusing on is obviously posting daily posting a mixture between photos and video content um and then also running ads on Facebook and Instagram I'm working on making those ads what I plan to do is run maybe four ads or two, like 
three to four ads simultaneously, see which one does the best, make more of those, run those, that kind of thing. Um, I might also run, run some YouTube ads. I'll see about that. Um, and then I am also working on just like increasing my rank on Google. So writing probably right now for now, bi-weekly blogs, just because I don't have enough time to be writing weekly blogs. So bi-weekly blogs that have obviously like um, keywords, key phrases, and then also is a value to whoever's reading it. And I'm also going to be sending out emails. So whenever I'm having a promo, whenever there's a special holiday, special day, whatever it is, if I have new diamond paintings that are now up, I'm going to be running email marketing for that. And one thing I wanted to do is because when I first started diamond paint, the reason I started the business for diamond painting is less for the aesthetic and just the feeling you get from diamond painting. It's very calming. It's very relaxing. And it really helps anxiety. If you're an anxious person, diamond painting is the best thing ever because it just gives you something to focus on. And even if you're watching TV with as you're doing it, it's just something to focus on. So I was thinking of places that could really benefit from diamond paintings, like places like hospitals, addiction centers, um, like home for the elderly, just different places that can benefit from it. So I'm definitely going to be sending out marketing packages to places like that, just to, and probably making a deal, like if they're buying in bulk, it might, it will be on a discount, obviously. And just helping, I think that could be really helpful. It's really distracting. And if you're in an area for a long period of time, it's something that can take your mind off of whatever it is. So I think it'd be really helpful. And then also I have a few other ideas. I Right now, I'm not sure of the technical terms, so I'm just going to leave those alone. But um, those are the main areas right now I'm looking on in terms of marketing. And then obviously, just post on social media. I have a TikTok. <laughs> so I post on TikTok, trying to reach that new audience of like millennials, Gen Z, because right now, most of the main demographic are people, between women between the ages of 40 to like 65 years old. And there's people that are still stressed that are younger than 40. So I feel like they can really benefit from diamond paintings. So that is what I'm doing right now. A few other things in the work. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of different avenues there, which is really great to hear. And I love sort of the approach you're taking where it is sort of that, you know, therapeutic activity that you can really do and sort of help with any anxiety or feeling stressed. And Zaquita, I know you mentioned your very first magazine that went out had like a lot of views, a lot of attraction, and then it's only grown since then. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, how you promoted your magazine in the beginning and then continuing on now? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I think I posted like on a Facebook group or something like that. Like some, because I didn't have marketing spend. So I'm like, how can I do this for free? Um, So I think I posted it on like an arts related Facebook group. I think that's how it happened. But um, since then, I, I think most of my traction has come from Instagram, organic Instagram. Like I said, I feel like I'm pretty decent at Instagram, not an expert, but decent. Um, and I've been able to grow it to 3K since January because the first two issues, I didn't actually have an Instagram account because I deleted Instagram when I was, I think, 19. I had a whole panic attack over social media. I deleted everything. Yeah. So since then, I haven't had Instagram, but I knew that starting a business, I was going to have to get on some type of social media. Um, So Instagram is the one that I chose. 
And yeah, just posting daily, picking like appropriate hashtags, switching to a business Instagram account is the most essential thing that you need to be doing. If you're running a business on Instagram, um, get rid of your personal. Don't use that anymore. It tells you nothing. Um, Since switching over to business, I could see like what times um, people are most active when it comes to my profile or what posts had the most engagement. Um, So just using those stats from Instagram has helped me grow my account like so fast. Yeah, and that's really all that I use, (laughs) just organic Instagram. If you you grow your account big enough and if you have enough reach, people just organically want to buy your products or want to subscribe to your magazine. Yeah, and that's all I use. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think social media is definitely such a powerful tool and it is nice that it is accessible, especially for new businesses. You know, you don't have to put a lot of money into it. You can organically sort of grow that way. So I think it's it's really powerful for businesses in general. And, you know, you both sort of talked a little bit about, you know, your journeys over building your business and becoming an entrepreneur. Has there been sort of one really big highlight that has sort of happened throughout this journey with your business that you'd like to share? This highlight was kind of bittersweet. Going back to what happened with um, the whole thing around my business launch and the unlicensed artwork, because people were sharing it so much and people that have large followings were sharing it, it also got me a huge amount of people knowing about Canvas of Diamonds. So I got a lot of orders (laughs) and it's been pretty consistent since. And I had um, a year projection of what I was going to do each month starting out and I've definitely surpassed my projections. So that is definitely a highlight. Um, It's like I said, bittersweet because it came from something that was not the best, but it did get me exposure. And um, that was a highlight. I think the highlight for me was probably realizing my parents were wrong. (laughs) Like I was always told growing up because I wanted to be an artist at like such a young age, probably since I was like six. Um, I was always like, yeah, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be an artist. You can't tell me nothing. I'm going to be an artist. And then when I went to graduate high school, I was like, okay, they're not letting me be an artist. <laughs> so what am I going to do? Um, so yeah, just realizing after issue one that you could actually make money from art Um, was kind of like a aha moment for me like oh my gosh my parents were wrong I don't know what they were talking about I mean there's obviously the other end of the spectrum to that where it's like you don't make any money but I think in the age of you know 2021 there's so many avenues and so many income streams that if you're not figuring it out by now how to make money off of the passion that you have go take a course and learn how to do it. Like, I feel like in 2020, there's no excuse to not make money. There's 16 year olds on TikTok dancing and making millions of dollars. Like there's no excuses anymore. So yeah, just, just realizing that basically anything could be a business. And my, my parents didn't know what they were talking about. Absolutely. Well, and I, I mean, I definitely love that. And, you know, you're still following your passion and, you know, able to really create this business. And I definitely agree that, you know, I think that there is a way to incorporate something you're passionate about into your work in any way that you can. So that's definitely great to hear. And I I always love to ask guests too, is if there was sort of one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's thinking of starting a business or just starting out, uh, what would that be? My one piece of advice would be 
to have a great planner. I feel like a huge part of, like, I guess a huge thing I had to overcome was not having too much into my my head that I needed to do and not knowing how to go about them, not knowing what to prioritize first. And it's just all over the place because when you think of one thing you have to do, you like you think about the next thing you have to do. And then you remember that one thing you had to do last week and then it's just all over the place. So having a great planner, writing down every single thing you can think of, no matter how minute it might be, putting it on paper or putting it in a planner somewhere, somehow categorizing it and just having it there will really help you because now, instead of having the stress of doing the things and having the stress of remembering what you have to do and having the stress of having it all in your brain, you can just have it all somewhere else. And then now you just have to deal with the stress of doing it. <laughs> so, yes. Absolutely. I think that's definitely, you know, entrepreneurs can definitely relate to that having lots of ideas. And so being able to actually formulate them and organize them is definitely a huge part of, of the business, I think. Um, and Zaquita, how about yourself? If there is one piece of advice you'd give to a new business owner? Yeah, I I know exactly what I would say. It's probably not good advice, though. (laughs) I would tell them to set really, really high goals for yourself. And I know that's exactly what people tell you not to do. They tell you, you know, set your expectations low. You probably won't make money the first year or whatever the case is. But I say set your, your goals high to the point where you probably can achieve them. Like, there's no way you're going to achieve them within that year. But in in doing that, you kind of set yourself up where if you fail, even your failure is a win because you've probably achieved some of those goals at least halfway or a quarter of the way. And if you achieved these really, really high goals a quarter of the way, then you've probably made enough money to pay your rent. So <laughs> I think, yeah, just, just setting the goal and the bar is really, really high for yourself is kind of something that I do. Not 100% sure that's really good advice, but that's what I do. Yeah, no, I definitely, I have actually heard that before. Like they say, you know, you definitely need to think big with your business. Cause if you think too small, you almost box yourself in sort of, and like, then if you make like that small win, then you're like, okay, I'm good. Whereas instead, you know, you're always striving for for, you know, the big picture. Um, so I think that is a great piece of advice. And uh, I know there's a lot going on with, with the businesses right now. Do you have any future plans coming up for people to watch out for? Well, my immediate future plans is definitely getting licensed artwork from artists and local artists in Windsor and also artists wherever else. And one thing I wanted to work on just as a hobby, like as diamond painting being my hobby myself, or just as diamond painting is my hobby, I noticed a few things that can be improved with the accessories. So I have some uh, connections to a guy that pretty much engineers different kind of accessories or just anything in general. They can get it patented for you, everything. So I'm definitely going to be looking into improving the diamond painting accessories and just making them better so that it's a more fun hobby and less tedious in a way. It's already tedious to put a bunch of dots on the canvas, but just so the accessories are easily more usable. So that's definitely something that I'm really striving to do. Awesome. And Zaquita, how about yourself? Any future plans coming up? Yeah, I'm really excited now that the magazine is going 100% digital, uh, the integration of videos inside the magazine. Obviously, you couldn't do that with print (laughs) because then you would be in a Harry Potter movie. 
So that's <laughs> kind of weird. But um, yeah, now that I can put videos into uh, the magazine with it being digital, I can now start integrating other art forms. Yeah, that is exciting. And where can people go to find each of your businesses? And if they'd like to submit artwork for either Canvas of Diamonds or for the magazine, um, where can they contact you for that as well? You can contact me at Canvas of Diamonds official at gmail.com. And you can go to canvasofdiamonds.com to look at the diamond paintings I have in store. For me, you could find any any information on dividemagazine.com. Uh, my email is submissions at dividemagazine.com. And you could also follow the Instagram account, Divide Mag. Awesome. Yes. You can also follow my Instagram account at Canvas with Diamonds. <laughs> and you can also be <laughs> There <it>. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for joining me here today. It was so great to hear more about your businesses and your journeys as entrepreneurs. So thank you for sharing your stories and coming on the podcast. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.